0: Is there a better option and is this an archaic system that we've had for a long period of time that doesn't
1: now match the current property climate? It
2: depends on how much I guess you really have and can afford really. Needs review, needs overhauling.
1: Hello, and today on Real Talk, we're chatting about the contentious issue of stamp duty, the tax most home buyers love to hate. We'll examine the pros and cons of stamp duty, the role it plays in property transactions, and should we actually scrap it all together? First, let's hear what these people think about stamp duty.
2: It should be lower, it should be less. It is a very substantial amount.
1: It's definitely a barrier to buying a home.
2: Very annoying extra cost. I understand why it needs to be there, like we need to pay taxes for society run at large. I wouldn't say it's a barrier, it would be a consideration. I get that it's, you know, towards taxes and things like that. I think there's not a lot of transparency into what that money's actually funding, and that's a problem.
0: Probably should be cut for older people who are downsizing from a great big home.
1: Joining me today to talk all about it is PropTrack senior economist Angus Moore, who has a special interest in the issue of stamp duty, and Will Goss, Chief Operating Officer of Sydney Agency Bressic whitney who has more than 10 years of experience analysing the property market. This tax apparently originated in Venice in the late 17th century and came to Australia as a cost for the official stamping of a property sale. Angus, what is stamp duty in its current form? And how much money does it make the government?
2: So, it is a literal stamp on legal documents is why we call it stamp duty. The reason it exists is if you go back 300, 400 years and think about how do you levy a tax, it's hard, right? We don't have electronic records. You don't even know necessarily how many people live in the country that you're trying to tax. And so, what you do is you make it in the party's interest to pay the tax. And the way you do that is you say, unless your contract is stamped with this special stamp that you pay us for, it is not legally binding. So, that's where it comes from. And it wasn't just property transactions. It applied to all sorts of things. You know, Even a marriage licence had to pay a stamp duty. That's where it comes from. We don't really call it stamp duty anymore. I mean, it still is colloquially, but in most state legislation, it's actually called transfer duty or conveyance duty because everything's done electronically now. There's no physical stamp anymore. Uh, South Australia is the only exception. Fun fact still call it stamp duty because they still have their 1923 Stamp Duty Act in place. Stamp duty is a really important tax for state governments. It's an enormous share of what we call their own source revenue, i.e. taxes that they raise themselves, not that come from the Commonwealth government. So, to put some numbers around it, for New South Wales in the last financial year, so 2021-2022, raised $13.5 billion. It's about 30% of state revenue. In Victoria, $10.7 billion. Queensland, $6.3 billion. Those were big years for stamp duty. It is a really important part of state government taxes.
1: Is stamp duty, though, applicable to all Australian home buyers, and are all the states equal?
2: So, the short answer is yes. All property transactions have stamp duty that applies to them. But because of the way the stamp duty schedules are set, some people will end up paying $0 in stamp duty, though not very many. And in particular, for some 1st home buyers, you'll often have your stamp duty waived. In answer to how much is it, typically it's sort of, if you're looking at a median price home, so a sort of typical home for the relevant part of the country, you're looking at in the order of 4% to 5% of the property's value is what you'll pay in stamp duty. It differs a bit. The states all differ. So, Victoria has a bit higher stamp duty rates than other parts of the country, Brisbane and Queensland a bit lower, but rule of thumb, call it 4%.
1: It just seems strange to me though that there's no standard rule and it varies so much from state to state. Why actually is there no federal guidance on stamp duty?
2: It comes back to kind of how we set taxes in Australia and federation in a way, which is that state governments set these taxes. It's not a federal tax. It's not set at federal level. There is no federal conveyancing duty or stamp duty. So, each state is free to set it how they see fit and that's how they've chosen the stamp duty rates. That's it. They're still relatively consistent across the states, though not uniform by any means.
1: There were recent proposed changes to stamp duty in Victoria. There's been updates to New South Wales stamp duty. Surely there is a need for cohesive housing solutions right across Australia. How can the states just choose to do their own thing? Like, Victoria has got such the, one of the highest stamp duties in the country, I think it is. South Australia uh, less, Queensland less. Why isn't it uniform?
2: Ultimately, it comes down to states set all sorts of policies differently. It's not just stamp duty. You know, Payroll taxes, land taxes differ across the different states. The choice of how a state sets its tax rates and where it chooses to raise its revenue are entirely up to that state. And they are a thing that determines whether
1: people want to move to that state or not. Well, what is your take on stamp duty? What do you think of it?
0: I think stamp duty in my view is very much a handbrake to mobility. And we regularly when we're meeting with clients that are looking to sell or looking to buy, are having conversations about stamp duty and how it affects their particular situation. Stamp duty is very much a consideration on both the buy and the sell side, usually because a sale will naturally result in an eventual purchase and It's very much considered as part of the financial consequences of transacting. To touch on Angus's point before, about the 4 to 5%, you think about that on the median value in Sydney, which is where we operate, and it's a significant amount of money, usually anywhere between $40,000 up to well over $100,000. It's a huge factor in how people choose to make decisions when they want to move
1: does lead me to my next question. So Bresick Whitney is mainly in Metro Sydney and Inner West, which is a really expensive area. You know, if I was looking at buying a $1 million property in that area, which if we're honest, I'm looking more at an apartment than a house, stamp duty is tens of thousands of dollars. And that is a lot of money on top of already a deposit. So you mentioned that you think stamp duty is quite a handbrake to mobility, but does it affect the property that they want. So, they are prepared to move, they are mobile, but are you finding people compromising on the type of property they're buying?
0: I think the view that people buying a million dollar home or a $1.5 million dollar home, the view that that person is by default a multi-millionaire or in a position where 40, dollars dollars $80,000 worth of tax is immaterial is probably a slightly unfair characterization. Particularly for those on the earlier end of their property journey. And I'm sure we'll come to that in some more detail. But absolutely, if you're a first home buyer, which now, you know, in our markets can be anyone really up to the age of their mid 40s, an extra 4% on the 20% you've saved for that million dollar apartment. Is a lot of money for you to jump from two hundred thousand dollars being that twenty percent to two hundred and forty thousand dollars, which includes your stamp duty, is generally a multi-year process for people. So I think that that needs to be put in context, regardless of the higher average sale price than the Australian median. But absolutely, right across the states, it is a hurdle for people. On all ends of the transaction, first home buyer is often talked about, but downsizers are are very largely impacted by this too. You've lived in a family home for a number of years or a number of decades, and the thought process at the end of your income journey to outlay hard cost for, let's face it, not really anything in return, is quite unappealing for a cash-tight downsizer.
1: Stamp duty is a sliding scale and it can disproportionately affect different people in the community. We actually spoke to one guy who was a 1st home buyer, didn't have to pay any stamp duty.
2: From what I understand, what stamp duty was first introduced for was to have a even level playing field with the property market and I don't think it's fit for purpose anymore. I think it needs to change. I think it's a huge barrier for most people considering how how expensive property is these days.
1: For those first home buyers that having to save stamp duty on top of having to save a deposit, it is that multi-year process. Angus, what initiatives are states doing to alleviate that?
2: When we think about stamp duty, there's kind of two things that we think it has really deleterious effects on. So one is People moving home. You know, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars to move home. And that's a big problem for the use of housing in Australia and for housing affordability. But the other big impact is its effect on first home buyers, because for many first home buyers, saving a deposit is the constraint to getting into the housing market. Not for all, you know, particularly at the moment with interest rates as high as they are, but for many it is. And then you're adding an extra 40000 dollars that you need to save. Huge extra impost. Not all, but a lot of state governments kind of recognise that and so they provide concessions for first home buyers. Where these thresholds are and how generous these concessions are differ across the different states and they differ across time. These are things that governments have tinkered with a lot over the years. New South Wales recently changed it to increase the thresholds from where they previously sat. They do help for some first home buyers buying typically at the more affordable end of the, the spectrum. They do help lower that stamp duty burden.
1: No, oh, I mean, in Victoria, it's $600,000 or less. South Australia, it's six fifty for first home buyers, but they have to be buying new homes. And New South Wales, it's $800,000, which is the reform to their stamp duty exemption. But Will, how much property does that even apply to in your patch in Metro Sydney in the Inner West? Because I just feel like in Sydney, prices, to have a stamp duty exemption of under $800,000, that's really nice. If you can't find a property, then it's a little bit redundant.
0: Yeah, definitely. To zoom out and look at the whole of Sydney, the gap between that stamp duty concession and the median sale price is over $500,000. So, there's quite- a significant disproportionate I would say um, gap between those two numbers and I do think that the incentive offered by the previous government which gave first home buyers up to 1.5 million the opportunity to offset their stamp duty with a land tax instead was probably certainly what we saw it was it was much broader reaching and allowed a lot more people in the Sydney market to have access to those kinds of incentives. Unfortunately you know again, just looking at the New South Wales case study, the $800,000 mark is is just not enough.
1: I can't believe that the difference between $800,000, you don't pay any stamp duty, but there's a half a million dollars difference between that and the median sale price. That almost feels like it's a slap in the face to even say that there's a stamp duty exemption when it doesn't even apply to really anything, which... It actually does make stamp duty a really contentious issue, I think. So, why hasn't it been abolished? Angus, do you actually have any reasons for stamp duty?
2: The simple reason for why it hasn't been abolished is it's 25 to 30% of state government revenues. We like the things that state governments do with their revenues. Hospitals, schools, roads, police, fire, etc. These are all good things and we need to fund governments somehow. It's very hard to change that mix of where the revenue is coming from. So, that's why we haven't gotten rid of it. There are lots of good reasons too, particularly as an economist. It's one of the the taxes we sort of hate the most. The simple reason is it raises a lot of revenue.
1: Basically, property buyers are disproportionately propping up the state budget. A stat from 2021 said that stamp duty accounted for over 20% of state and local government tax revenue in New South Wales and Victoria. We spoke a bit about the numbers before. How do governments change a tax like this? that they are so reliant on. Do you think, Angus, that there is any sort of reform?
2: The short answer is yes. There are ways to reform this. And we have seen some of these models in Australia already. So, a good example is the ACT. They're undertaking a 20-year program to reform their whole tax arrangements in the ACT. And so, what they're doing is very slowly lowering stamp duty and very slowly raising essentially council rates, but land tax. You know, The ACT is a bit unique in that it's a territory but also a council so you know council rates and land tax are all one thing it's not like in new south wales where you pay council rates to your council but then you have a state government separately victoria is doing as of the most recent budget a different approach to reforming stamp duty but only for commercial and industrial the approach that they're taking in victoria is that you could choose to pay your stamp duty today and then in 10 years time you'll have to swap to paying land tax or if you buy something today, you can choose to what I'll call amortize or essentially pay that stamp duty in installments over the 10 years, kind of like a land tax. And then at the end of the 10 years, you swap over to land tax. So, it's sort of a different way of approaching that transition over a long period of time away from stamp duty towards land tax. If I could just add on Angus's
0: point there just quickly, a property we sold on the weekend in Surrey Hills, $1.675 million to some first-home buyers, and the stamp duty on that is $77,000. If the land tax model was available to them, it would cost them $33,000 over 10 years. So you can see, to Angus's point, the problem for a state government is rather than me, me as the government, that is, make $77,000 in the one hit, I'm only going to make $33,000 over 10 years. So there is quite a big disincentive for governments to do it. An important thing for people to remember in New South Wales and the average commission rates we deal with as a real estate industry in Sydney, the state government makes about twice what your real estate agent makes from selling that property. And I think that's just an interesting point when people often look at the real estate industry as a place for fast cash and fast commission. There is quite a discrepancy between the government's earnings and the industry's earnings. $77,000
1: in stamp duty for a first home buyer. That's wild because you think about how long that takes them to save up for, again, a deposit on a $1.675 million home in Surrey Hills, a Victorian terrace.
0: Yeah, two-bedroom terrace.
1: One bathroom, maybe needs a little bit of love done to it. They're huge prices. Is there anything else you think that can be done That would remove the burden of that $77,000 stamp duty at the time of their purchase. Apart from what you just spoke about, it's the land tax arrangement.
0: Another obvious thing to do would be to potentially index the stamp duty brackets a little more aggressively. Since 2019 in New South Wales, they've been indexed to inflation. Obviously, we've been through a fairly high inflation period, but we've also been through a high period of property growth. So Potentially, stamp duty prices could be indexed uh, to property prices. I do think there's an idea in that. It's interesting. I had a look between 1986 and 2019, The brackets weren't changed at all. So you have a situation where the median price in Sydney has gone from $80,000 in 1986 to $1.3 something today. That's 15.5 times growth basically and the stamp duty brackets haven't changed, so, so I do think there's an argument or a conversation to be had if land tax is too radical for some people, that we actually re-bracket and re-index, no different to the federal government about income tax at
2: the moment. It's a great point, Will, and you know maybe to put some eye-watering, perhaps, numbers around the impact of that bracket creep. Today, we're talking about, you know, sort of stamp duty burdens of 4% being typical. In 1980, it was more like 2%. So, we talk a lot about affordability across the generations and, you know, how affordability was very tough in 1990 when interest rates were higher, but it was easier to save a deposit. It was also much easier to pay stamp duty three or four decades ago than it is today. And that's relative to property prices, right, which have grown faster than incomes over this period as well. So, it is stamp duty is much harder today than it used to be. It's, it's a much larger share of property prices and much higher relative to incomes.
1: I kind of lost my train of thought after Will said you could buy a house in Sydney for (laughs) $80,000. But (laughs) stamp duty feels outdated to me. Like if there's been no change to the way that it operates in a couple of decades. Angus, if stamp duty stays the same as it is now, where's that going to leave first home buyers?
2: The problem that we're facing today is only going to become more acute if we don't deal with stamp duty. It is an enormous burden to save that. That is a real barrier for first home buyers and given what property prices are doing, you know, we've seen them grow this year, that's only adding to the extra stamp duty you need to pay. Unfortunately, that's going to continue to be true.
1: So what's your solution? How long's a piece of string?
2: Fundamentally, this has to come down to tax reform that looks to remove or reduce stamp duty rates. You know, zero is not necessarily the right number, but much lower than we have currently, I think would be a good change and replacing it with other sources of revenue that are more efficient in the sense of they don't distort people's choices about moving home. So, that would be things like a land tax, which is broader-based, fairer than stamp duty as well, and a bit more predictable for state governments. Stamp duty is very volatile because it depends on how many homes turn over in a year. That can change enormously from year to year, and that makes budgeting for the government difficult
0: to use an example of, you know, where it literally creates that handbrake on mobility that I mentioned before. We were meeting with a client last week who had purchased, you know, a $3 million home in in Paddington and they were considering a sale but had only bought 2 years ago and in their minds it wasn't worthwhile selling with a minimal amount of capital growth because it would not offset the stamp duty costs that they'd incurred. So they still will move into state, but that property will now become a rental property and not be freed up, so to speak, for another potential purchase. So, I do think within the conversation about supply, the rental crisis, and a lot of things that are being talked about federally at the moment as well, reform of stamp duty could be a way to unlock some of those issues. The economic view and the economic research
2: around that is very compelling. Will's hit the nail on the head here. It's it's much broader than that. The economic research, so the best paper in Australia on this is by a couple of researchers called papers called Davidoff and Lee. They're the two authors. It's Andrew Lee, who's currently a sitting member of parliament. It shows that a 10% increase in stamp duty, so going from 40,000 to 44,000, reduces turnover by 3% over a three-year period. So, 3% fewer people move home than would have otherwise, which maybe doesn't sound huge, but it actually is in terms of its impact on property because an enormous number of the homes in places where people want to live have spare bedrooms, are owned by people who could downsize but choose not to for a variety of reasons. One of those being the fact that it will cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially, at least tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to downsize to something that suits their needs better and free up those spare bedrooms to a household, to a family that could use them more effectively. It's an incredibly inefficient tax because it leads to this mismatch between the homes that people are living in and the homes that people need.
1: I feel like we could talk about stamp duty in a broader landscape for probably hours, because as I'm learning stamp duty affects you more than when you just buy a home it affects you as well when you sell a home and it's intertwined with so many big issues that we're facing in our housing market but it actually is all that we have time for today so thank you both very much for joining me it's been really eye-opening to what could actually be potentially a very dry topic so thanks for jazzing it up a little and thank you for joining me and hope you've both had fun thank Pleasure. you thanks, thanks so much with. Alison Thanks for joining me. This has been Real Talk. For your weekly fix, please follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in next time for more real questions, news and insights on the topics that matter most from realestate.com.au, Australia's number one address in property. All information provided is general advice and opinion based on current market conditions. These opinions should not be treated as investment advice. Always obtain advice based on your individual circumstances.
0: Real Talk acknowledges the traditional custodians of country through Australia and their connections to land, sea, air and community. We pay our respects to elders past and present.